This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Hi, it's David Averin with the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast. You know, we've all learned in recent years to be flexible, to do more with less, to combat disruptions and labor shortages. Well, there are a few organizations more adept at navigating these challenges than not-for-profits. They're mission-driven, but they're often underfunded and making do with limited resources. Well, my guest today is Jay Clark. He has spent decades working in the not-for-profit trenches, and now he helps leaders creatively tap unexplored resources to find the support they need to effectively do the important work that they do. It's David Averin talking to Jay Clark on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin. Featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, and here's David Averin. Hey, friends. Thanks and welcome to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. We talk customer experience and business and all those things. I think are all really interrelated. The early part of my career, I spent a lot of years working in not-for-profits, and, and it's really a great training for for young workers, for employees. I think there was some statistic way back when that I think it was 6% of the workforce at some point had worked at a McDonald's or something like that. I think the better place to start is not-for-profits, primarily because they are underfunded, that everybody does everything. You know, a lot of bigger organizations, people are siloed and they have a specific job, a specific task and responsibility. In my early years working um, in healthcare and hospitals and others as well, you kind of did everything because you had to, because they didn't have enough staff to do everything, but it's wonderful training ground. Well, my guest today is Jay Clark and full disclosure, a great friend uh, all the way back from my youth, but I've just been such a fan in addition to a friend and watching his career. He spent some early years uh, doing PR with the Denver Nuggets with the uh, professional sports team, did great things. We actually reconnected when my band sang the national anthem a few times way back when. But he's also, and, and I'll read this here because I wanna make sure I get this right and then we'll do a more formal um, hello to uh, Jay Clark. But after serving as executive director for three not-for-profits, Jay Clark founded JC Charity and Events Services to fill an entrepreneurial calling to serve others. The goal of JC Charity and Events Services is to bolster the efforts of organizations doing great work in the community who need a little extra horsepower and expertise and expertise to accomplish their goals. So I will, I'll say thanks, Jay, for joining us on the show today. Thanks, Dave. It's a, it's an honor to be here. It is an honor, isn't it? It is. You know, back in 1988, my friend Doug Moe won the NBA Coach of the Year Award. And yeah. I remember he was so overwhelmed. And at when they gave him the award, you know, the big mucks from the NBA office came in, they give him this award, he was so overwhelmed, he said, everybody else who has won this award before me has just been discredited. 
and I, I hope I don't do that to all of your no. Other see, here, your here's what I really appreciate. You you have been sort of that other serving, but you've done it very strategically over the years. You've been executive director of organizations that you know, there is there is uh, there aren't enough. Uh, resources to go around, right? There's a lot of not-for-profits, 501c3s and c6s and others that exist to serve the community good. Um, and if half of them went away, a lot of people wouldn't be served, but others would be probably better funded. Tell me about the work that you did and the things that, you know, we always like to say, don't just tell us what you've done, tell us what you learned. Tell right. us what you learned in those in those years of, of leading these organizations um, and trying to effectively deliver the services within the constraints that you uh, that you were faced with. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right on a, on a couple of points. The number of nonprofits is staggering. In Colorado alone, it's well over 20,000. Um, 8% of the workforce, I believe, is something silly like that or, are employed with nonprofits. So there are just a bajillion of them out there. I think one of the big mistakes that some nonprofits make is they look at it that we're a nonprofit, not a business. And as a good friend of mine, once told me, if you can go out of business, guess what? You're a business. So I think that's a big point that a lot of nonprofits and the ones I've worked at uh, have been lucky to, to be around entrepreneurial leadership that, that has very much treated uh, any nonprofit effort as a, as a business initiative, a business effort. Everything's got to be driven by, can this sustain itself financially? If it can't, how are we going to do it? If, it if, we, if we can't find a way to sustain this, you know, we have to look at doing something else. So that's, that's one of the big things that I've learned over the years is that you really do need to look at yourself as a, as a nonprofit, that you are a business. Um, well, and everything, everything in the business world definitely applies to a nonprofit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the only real difference is where the profits go, right? I, mean, I, I love the line. This is when I used to ask my audiences, I'd say, you're in business for one reason. What's the reason you're in business? And I get all these hands to serve this, to do this. I said, no, you're in business to make a profit. Yep. And how you do that, how Ben and Jerry's does is mm -hmm. different than Microsoft. Absolutely. But if you don't make a profit, you're not in business. The difference with, with not-for-profits, we used to call them non-profits, which right. of course I think is a misnomer. Not-for-profit right. is better. Right. Is that the money is reinvested within the organization. It's sustaining yep. revenue. Talk to me about some of the unique challenges that not-for-profits have in uh, because their, their source of revenue oftentimes is different. It's not necessarily a, a, a purchase transaction, is it? Exactly. Um, and and that, that's, you make a great point. That's, that's the biggest difference is most nonprofits don't have any kind of recurring revenue or passive revenue or, or revenue generation other than leaning on the goodness of people's hearts and, and philanthropy and everything else. And the, some of the super successful uh, nonprofits, Children's Hospital that you're intimately aware with, sure. I mean, think of that gala that they do, that monster gala. You have to find ways to generate revenue. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of out of the box as, as thinking, but I think you always have to be creative in everything you do. I think you have to figure out a way to attach a revenue component to it. I mean, I understand feeding, feeding people that are hungry or, or providing homeless people with shelter, you know, there's not a revenue, probably a revenue generation for that, but there's ways you can look at that to find partnerships that maybe you can generate revenue off of that. So, 
um, you know, you always, I think you always, like you say, you always have to be thinking, how can we use this? How can we use the assets that we've created, the assets at our disposal to, to generate revenue or create, you know, opportunities to hype other people that they're going to be willing to pay for those opportunities. So let's talk about delivering value. So different organizations call their audiences different things. Right. Politicians call them constituents. Mm-hmm. Retail calls them customers. Right. Uh, professional services call them clients. Healthcare calls them patients. Within the not-for-profit world, it is, uh, what, what's the terminology? Supporters? believers, donors, all the above? Yeah, all the above. The, the way that we like to, um, in, the, in the organizations that I've worked with, the way that we like to approach people is we call them partners because they really are partners with us in accomplishing our mission. Um, you know, you, you could call people donors or supporters or whatnot, but at the end of the day for us, they truly are partners because if, if we're partnering together, uh, then, then we have a chance to succeed, uh, succeed and achieve our mission. Um, but you know, if we're just looking at them as givers or supporters, where it's just a one-way street, we always really try to create kind of that two-way, that two-way street where if you're a partner with our organization, you know, we're going to do our darnest to provide value back to to you. Whether that's something that you can then take to your customers and brag about, look at the great stuff we're doing in the community to help. Or we're directly bringing customers to you that are coming to you through our organization. You have to look at things th- at that way. To me, it's always been the partnership is always what what makes it go. Because if it's if it's a donor situation or just a supporter situation, it does kind of become transactional. Where it's like, give me the money, thanks. I can do great stuff with this. I'll let you know how it goes. But 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 marketing and as we talk about customer experience, which mm-hmm. is that, that driver of somebody mm-hmm. wanting to do business with you, there's some right. very close equations between going out for customers and going out for supporters of a totally. particular cause. And so, you know, and back in my days, and you had mentioned with Children's Hospital and some of the others as well, is we're always looking for sort of those ideal customers, which yep. are the people like if we're looking from a foundation perspective somebody who has a connection to the hospital, they had a child who was sick, they're part of a, an affliction community, right? Right. Um, and so our communication with them had to be making them feel a part of this connected to this. So they're invested in this. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that as well. Well, that's, that's one of the beautiful things to me about not profit work is most of the time, and, and you can attest that when you're working in this, it's something that you are very passionate about. So when your communications and your marketing, when you're thinking about being creative and how do, how do I market to this? It's something that so you're so usually so passionate about that that'll flow and come about easily. So that's, I think that's a, that's a advantage that in nonprofits is being able to take a message. If you're working at children's hospital and you're going to somebody and saying, look, you can change by donating and partnering with this, you can change the whole trajectory of this family's life by you know making their kid better. I mean, good lord. That, yeah, that's but, but let's goal. let's go more micro than macro. Mm-hmm. When you're working with a specific, maybe a faith-based charity, maybe right. something having to do with youth, mm-hmm. you guys. I mean, there isn't enough money to market to everybody. You no, really need not. to look for those likely to feel a real connection. Uh, right. Whether it's a corporate sponsor, because you share an audience or others as well. Mm-hmm. Those are the internal conversations. You really have to be effective in your targeting to look for those supporters and donors and corporate partners and others as well. Yeah, you do. And and the other thing that, that rings a bell with this conversation is I remember seeing in one of your 
speeches once, it was talking about one of the biggest threats to your business is the customer that you don't know about. And the customer who, you know, makes a touch point with your organization that you don't even realize makes a touch point and, and then they're gone and you lost them. That used to keep me up at nights when I was executive director of this organization is you think you get in this bubble that, oh, everybody knows about us, which is not true. And you start right. thinking about, oh my God, there are so many people out there that have no idea we even exist that if they did would probably be all over helping us. And how do we get that word out? That Again, that's kind of a macro a macro thing, but on a micro level, you're, you're completely right. It, it's looking at people, you know, working for a faith-based organization, which I have, you have to find those people that are, you know, super into whatever, whatever cause that is education. Um, and, and then it's working those relationships, those partnerships for them to, to open up more doors for you. That's always been a big key to any success we've had is, you know, you, you'll have a core group of relationships how can you use those relationships to open more doors with people that you never knew, would never know, uh, who are out there that, that don't know that you exist? Sure. You know, one of the biggest challenges for many in business is that reoccurring customer, the lifetime oh. value of a customer, yep. ones that aren't transactional. If you're buying, you yep. know, some little component and you find right. a good deal online out of China, that's different than building that real relationship because the ongoing revenue that is sustainable for an organization to make sure that we're here next year comes from keeping them engaged and continuing Completely. to deliver. How has that, here's a question for you. How has that changed in recent years? And, well, he, and how has the, the competition um, exacerbated that challenge. Yeah, I mean, you know, the competition, like I say, there's tens of thousands of nonprofits, and they're all, there's only one Daniels Fund, um, or one Colorado Health Foundation, you know, the competition is intense. So it's really important to build up your constituents and create those partnerships where it's not transactional. So it, it is, again, to me, this is another beauty of the nonprofit world is it does provide the opportunity to create those those kind of one-on-one -on -one relationships uh, that you have to create. And this is this was always an issue for me as an executive director is you're running around crazy trying, you've got an audit coming up or you've got your gala coming up or you've got your program you're trying to do. You get so tunneled into the day-to-day -day you the can't work. look at the big picture yeah. and go, you know, I really wish I could take an afternoon to go golfing with our biggest donor. And you're thinking, oh, I can't take an afternoon off to go golfing with the biggest donor. Well, surprise, if you do that, that biggest donor, after spending four hours with him, he might have three of his buddies that he can now introduce you to. So it, it, the relationship piece, I think, is often overlooked a lot in nonprofit leadership, um, just and, it, and not consciously, it's just a time thing. Right. But how do you sustain it? That's a real question. How do you, what are the internal conversations like? What do you deliver to them next time? It's not just about staying in contact, you know, right. we have more than a few resources and Zoom right. or whatever to do that. Yeah. What is it that you can do to say, here's new value, here's new proof of the of the effectiveness of the work that you did. Here's an event that you want to be a part of. Right. How do we keep them in the fold. Having a Rolodex, you know, old people like us have terms like that. <laughs> um, now they call it the database. Having a big right. database means nothing if we're not keeping them engaged. How do you That's do exactly that? right. And and you know, those are those are a lot of mistakes I've made over the career, my career is 
you connect with somebody, you, you start off great, you have a great start. And then like you say, they, they end up going away. It's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do to sustain those relationships. But again, these are the internal conversations that we would always have is, okay, we've got these guys, they're super into what we're doing. How do we continue to build those relationships? Maybe it's, you know, when I was with the Gold Crown Foundation, it was, we had a great partner. It's like, well, what if we open up our facility for them for a day and they have a company play day at our facility? You have to always kind of think of, and I understand not everybody has access to those, those kind right, of Right, but things. it's a good example. But, but there's always ways to think of, of ways to engage your, your partners and your donors and your supporters, whether that's, you know, let's, let's get together and have a beer. Let's have a, a FAC with everybody on a, on a Friday afternoon in our courtyard, or let's, um, you know, at the golf event, let's not just get out of our cars, throw our bags in the carts, play, and, and then we're out of here. What if we have a, what if we draft for our prizes instead of just giving stuff away to keep, you always got to find ways, like you say, you always have to find ways to engage people, um, and make them go, make them memorable, memorable, excuse me, memorable experiences, right? So that's, again, that's, that's part of the fun for me is, is the creative piece of that. It's like, well, we've already done that. We've, we've done the, the, the rubber chicken gala. So what can we right. do in place of that? Well, and um, how much do you learn from watching other organizations, not necessarily even like-minded, you know, different types of organizations around the world, across the country, how much do we beg, borrow, steal, be inspired by somebody else's great idea? Because some of the best ideas are certainly outside of our traditional experiences. No question. And that's one of the reasons I'm one of the, I'm a, such a huge fan of your podcast is your guests always, I can, feels like I'm always finding something that I can rip off, rip off from them. But that it, it's, it's always, um, the creative thing is always, you know, to me, that's the juice that keeps you going. Um, and, and, and I love that part of it. And I, I think, um, you know, again, it, it, you have to use that creativity from the customer experience standpoint, right? Let's be creative in how we can engage and keep bringing these people back. Um, cause if we, if we hold an event and it's got a great turnout and everybody comes and they don't have fun, what, right. have, what have we done? Right. Um, or if you get so, somebody engaged and you aren't following up and asking for that that's sale exactly within, right. the, within the context of, of a not-for-profit, then uh, old boss of mine used to say, when you do it, you don't end up getting the final result. It's like, it's like peeing in your pants. It's going to give you a warm feeling for a minute, but it's not going to do you much good in the long run. Talk to us about the creativity, because I know you do work with, um, with JC, Charity and Event Services. Mm -hmm. You work with um, senior leaders at not-for-profits to help them expand revenue sources and fresh ideas, because to be fair, they're all, they all are good at this because they mm -hmm. have sustained their organization. Right but there's pieces and opportunities and revenue sources that they're missing. Tell me about the work that you do from a consulting perspective to bolster the efforts that they're currently engaged in. Right. And, and you're, you're 110% correct. And I think anybody who's been in, in any management role, nonprofit, for-profit, anything has this affliction where there's always one more thing you can do, but you never quite get to. There's always one more email you can send. There's always one more letter you can write. There's always one more card you can write or phone call you can make. The nonprofit leaders get so 
justifiably so tied up in the day-to-day and accomplishing their programmatic mission that they really oftentimes don't have a chance to step back and take a bigger look at what are opportunities we're missing? What, you know, where could, where, who are we not talking to? Again, going back to the customer experience, who is out there that would love what we're doing, but has no idea we, we exist. Right. That's what I can come in and, and kind of help ferret out. Um, you know, I wish I had a magic worm that I could come in and go wave, wave, there's your million dollars and you're, you're good. Now you can pay all your bills and you can sustain your operations. Um, what I can do though, I can't do that. What I can do is come in and go, let's look at what you don't have time to do that if you did could generate revenue for your organization, whether that's an appeal, a campaign, making your event more memorable. Those are the kind of things where I, I can add value. Right. And in your experience in working with different ones, you bring that outside perspective. When mm-hmm. I'm when I'm speaking and I'm and I'm talking to a, a, an organization in hotel and hospitality or financial services or dentistry, I'm the outside voice. Right. I'm saying, here's what we're learning from other industries as they apply to you. You have broad experience within the context of, of not-for-profits, but different ones than the ones that you're working with. So you can bring that different perspective what is the value of that for them? You know, I think one of the big pieces of value there is that being, you know, the advanced age that I am and the advanced experience that I am, I've made, I've made a lot of mistakes. So I've seen things that have worked and, and just as importantly, I've seen things that haven't worked. So I think I can, you know, I think again, you get in a little bit of this bubble where it's like, well, we've, we've, it's, it's September. That means it's time for the fall gala. The fall gala means we do the silent auction and we do this, this, this. And it's like, well, you know, what if you did this and somebody inside the organization is not going to probably have the ability to say that or the courage to step forward and go, you know, the silent auction, it takes so much work and really doesn't raise that much money. Is there something else we can do in place of that? that might make the customer experience even better at this event. Internally, that's, that's tough. And I've seen that where people don't want to challenge somebody, but if I'm the outsider, I can come in and say, and do that all, all day long, just like you do. You come in all day long and you challenge people. Well, what if you did it? Why haven't you ever done this? Never thought of that. Well, let's think about it. A a little risky internally to challenge Mm -hmm. your boss on that level. But when you come in on that level, um, because you're you're consulting with the executive directors, you might work Mm -hmm. with their team, but it's bringing that collaborative um, experience uh, to to challenge them. And and they are the first to admit that they're pretty overwhelmed with what's already on their plate. True. And that's, that's why I think, you know, the first step in any of this is kind of sitting down and going, okay, obviously you're doing something well, let's not mess with that. But what are we, what are we missing? And, and can we engage your board better? Um, most, you know, again, from mistakes I've seen, you know, we've had some really great board members that are practically begging to engage with the organization, but then, but the executive director, myself included, gets so busy with, you know, the programmatic piece of this that you don't really have the opportunity to engage your board members in a meaningful way. So then what's their experience? They're like, well, I go to the meetings and I sit and listen for an hour and then. And I can say I'm on the board. I can of say I'm on the board. Organization. And a, yeah. yeah. And then a month and later, I, and I, I can show fill up, up another the table. Meeting. Right. And I can fill up the table at their gala. Right. But, yeah. But um, leveraging, that's a great point though. Leveraging resources and others who are true believers in all of this as well. 
talk for a second, and I'd love your perspective on this, because I talk to organizations about how their customers and clients and patients and constituents have changed our expectations for access and immediacy right. and convenience within the, the, the not-for-profit world. And some of these are, are significant organizations mm -hmm. who are providing you know, millions of dollars of services. Right. How have their constituents and the people that they serve, how have they changed during this time of, of changing expectations? You know, I, to me, the biggest one is, is I think there's a definitely a different and a higher plane of people being savvy about what, what they're going to support uh, and where they're going to go for services. Um, if you're a nonprofit that can't, um, can't deliver what you promise, or if you're not going to provide a, a good experience for people at your events or whatnot, there are so many options. And it's such a competitive landscape that donors are savvy, uh, corporations are savvy. Everybody shares to, everything online. So everything everybody will know if something doesn't work. You know, I remember it's another one that I've, I love from one of your speeches where it's like, you have to conduct your business. Like everybody has, a, is watching you with a video camera because guess what they are. They are. Um, it, it, that, that's a brilliant thing. And the, the constituents you work with and the constituents you serve have gotten far more savvy because of all the information that's available to them now that you have to be prepared and ready to meet those challenges. Yeah, we're all serving customers, whatever you call them. And for those who are watching or listening or watching this on my channel or my, on my uh, YouTube channel, we're all answering to somebody. And especially no for guys like you and I, we work for ourselves. We have staff and teams and others as well. But everybody talks about how does it feel to be your own boss? Every one of our clients is our boss. That's it. I, I Every, remember when I first started to do this, uh, yeah. a buddy of mine said, you know, I said, oh, I want to be my own boss. He goes, congratulations. You've now got, you're going to have a hundred bosses. Exactly Hopefully right. one day I'll have a hundred bosses, but you're a hundred percent correct. Yeah. And so we're all serving. And so that's why I thought a conversation like this is good because there's different perspectives and how do you engage and speak to an audience that to get them to support you. And we do the same thing in business as we're looking for who are our best customers and clients, right. who are our true believers that are going to be sustaining, right, mm -hmm. for what we do. Um, and you can, you can apply this to almost any industry who are the, the most likely to buy from you, frequent you, visit you, support you, whatever that might be. And those people have to love us and continue to love us. So have those conversations is really important as well. We're talking to Jay another, Clark. No, go ahead, please. You know, I think another part that sometimes is, is you end up, I'm not sure how often this happens in the business world, but I've, I've definitely seen it in the nonprofit world where you'll get regular supporters who are all in and what happens, you end up taking them for granted. And, and that's just as important. That goes back to the customer experience as much as anything is don't take your supporters and your partners for granted you have to continue to just because they're all in doesn't mean they're always going to be all in. And again, right. it goes back to everything that you, that you teach Dave is, is so right on. I wish, but, but, I wish but the for those, nonprofit but, association would have you address the, Oh, the you're, you're so nice. Please continue. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, but no, I like that point because there are, it's a huge mistake that everybody and uh, many in business make, right? Which is assuming, right, that silence, you know, we haven't heard anything bad, so they must right. be fine. And meanwhile, somebody else That's would it. love to take your longtime customer and mm -hmm. convert them into their first time customer. Absolutely. And it's the same thing as long as they feel 
um, valued and included and engaged and and thanked and stroked, you know, whether it's swag uh, mm-hmm. or things like that as well. And you see this certainly across the uh, the not for profit community, right. the 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 blanket, the t shirt, the whatever that says, here's this for that continuing donation. Here's what you will receive, and here's the uh, um, and the things that you get. If people want to get in touch with with you, Jay Clark, with JC Charity and Event Services, how do they get in touch with you? They can find me online at makingourworldbetter.com or jay at jccharityservices.com. I'd love to have a conversation with anybody about how how we might be able to look at your operation and and see where there's new opportunities. Yeah, great opportunity to bolster it. And of course, we will have all of that information in the show notes as well, where we post this podcast on all of the major audio platforms and the video version on my site as well. Jay Clark, thank you so much. My good friend, I love the work that you do. Um, I think what you do is so Dave, important. always at arm's reach. Oh, see, never there you out are. of for, reach. For those it's listening, as he holds up my book, Why Customers Leave. Why Customers Leave and How to Bring Them Back. Again, there you go. anybody in the nonprofit world who's in management or donor relations should read this. It makes a perfect holiday gift it does or, indeed. or something. We're in like six languages on that one, which is crazy. Jay Clark, hang on. We'll talk on the other side. Um, Thanks, Dave. Also pick up, and I'm going to promote my new one, pick up a copy of my new book, The Morning Huddle, Powerful Customer Experience Conversations to Wake You Up and Shake You Up and Win More Business. This is based on my video series as well. Be sure to, uh, actually, all my books are available on Amazon, uh, most of them audiobook as well, however you like to, uh, to consume that. Be sure to click to like this podcast, please subscribe, leave a comment. That's important as well. Even if it's just a couple of words, leave a comment um, and click that little bell icon. So you'll receive notifications when we post new episodes. You can learn more about my keynote speaking and my consulting at davidaverin.com. Thanks for joining us on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. Remember, leave a comment. Big thanks to my guest, Jay Clark. I'm David Averin. Be good. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Avrin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.